Beginner's call. This is your beginner's call. Will all show beginners please make their way to the studio? Tonight's performance of Overstudies is about to begin. Hello and welcome back to the Overstudies and this week it's time to raise a little hell. Yes, we are going to raise a little hell. More than a little hell, perhaps. Raise a lot of hell. A lot of hell in a very short space of time. We're on a tight leash this week. We are ready to talk about one of, I think I would say, one of the hottest tickets in the West End at the time of recording. Yeah, absolutely. This show has been taking the West End by storm, let's be honest. Yeah. And indeed took the off West End by storm in 2022 as well. It did. It did. It is, of course, Bonnie and Clyde. It is indeed Bonnie and Clyde, the musical, uh, which is an interesting little show. Yeah. And nothing rhymes with Clyde and Bonnie. No. Except Harney. Harney. You've got to say it like Harney. You've, you've got to commit to the accent, otherwise it does not work. You do indeed. Now then, um, another B and C duo is Becky and Charlie. Yes, and that is us, except minus, you know, some uh, petty crimes and and or murder. There will one day be an overstudies murder. Mm, I've t- it's going to be a duel, to be fair. It'll be a duel. I was going to say, if you think I'm going down without a fight, babe. Well, I was thinking you were actually going to do the murder. Of you? Yeah. No, yeah, that, that tracks, to yeah. be fair. Like... <laughs> completely agree mm. no we are a bnc duo minus the murder we're just two musical theater geeks theater geeks in general to be fair performing if, arts geeks in general yeah just coming to talk about all things theater and to chat a little bit of nonsense for a couple of minutes so for those who don't know i'm charlie i'm becky i'm the better half of the overstudies mm, every other day you might be um, we'll we'll share it okay but that's fine because it means that in an ordinary year, I get one extra day. If you would like to uh, challenge this statement, you can find us on Twitter at Overstudies. You can head on to Instagram. We are at Overstudies blog. We also have a website, which is www.overstudies.co.uk. On that website, you will find a contact form that you can use to get in touch with us. Alternatively, you can also send us an email stage at overstudies.co.uk. We do genuinely love hearing your thoughts so drop us a dm drop us an email drop us a contact form like share subscribe just let us know what you think of this because it does genuinely mean a lot and we like to extend the conversation beyond your headphones we are just two people who do this for the the love of it really wherever you get your podcast as well do go and leave a little review um make sure you let us know your thoughts share your favorite episodes because all of it really does make a difference and it helps other people to come on into the overstudies fandom it's a fandom now we're manifesting we are yeah um it still makes me laugh every time that we're manifesting this yes we we have fans to be fair dress for the job you want not the job you have (laughs) yes yeah fair enough so should we get on into the show i think that's quite a nice little tie-in actually speaking of dressing for the job that you want instead of the job you have because this is really something that clyde barrow of bonnie and clyde really lent into didn't he yeah clyde barrow is an interesting individual so for those who aren't aware bonnie and clyde is based on the true story of bonnie and clyde yes so if You've never heard of Bonnie and Clyde before. I'm just going to assume that you are 10 years old and are probably too young to be listening to this podcast. However, for those who don't know, Bonnie and Clyde were notorious in the United States for being criminals. Being criminals, but criminals with style, yes. I would say. Yes. In that they were perhaps, uh, in their time, the most well-known, the most famous criminals in America. Everybody knew of the ravishing redhead. Yes. Bonnie Parker. Everyone somehow knew who these people were because, to be honest, there wasn't really much else going on in depression, like, well, post depression era America. It was an incredibly challenging time for everyone, really. The American dream had come crumbling down. This idea that, you know, you could be, by being American, you could get whatever you wanted just by wanting it everyone was like actually this is this is nonsense um but some people such as Clyde Barrow were like no I still believe in the American dream and I'm gonna get it however I can yeah he is a bit of a Robin Hood character except he does the stealing and doesn't give to the poor 
he just gives it to himself, who is Paul. So, so nothing like Robin Hood. A bit of an outlaw. A bit of an outlaw, yeah. So I'm not 100% wrong. There is logic in that argument. Because he does, in fact, steal from the rich. Well, he steals from anyone. He does steal from anybody. He, but he steals from people rich enough to still own cars, to still be employed in payroll and have a payroll from businesses and gives it to, he actually does give it to his family who are very, very poor at this stage in the show. So I'm not, I'm not wrong. He also steals from like the local grocery store, which let's be honest, probably is still on its down, down its knees a little bit and is trying to do a community service. So let's not go and paint him in too much glory. Oh no, he's a terrible, terrible person. But I was contextualizing for those who don't know who he is. The show follows Bonnie and Clyde meeting, falling in love and reaching this giddy height of fame and I was going to say fortune, but realistically crime. And then their downfall. Yes. So this show does not have a happy ending. And normally I would say spoiler alert, but again, this is history. This happened. It's unfortunately it's out there. Bonnie and Clyde did meet a very horrific end actually in and they died quite young and that's kind of where the story starts as well this is a show that starts in the technical term is in media res and it basically means that it starts at the end Ooh, fancy words i love my fancy words but we're not going to get too much into that just now because we're going to look a little bit more at the kind of history of the show and the production because like we say We've got a lot to pack into this one. The story of Bonnie and Clyde is history. We've summed it up. We will be touching on a few more elements of it. But if you don't know the story, pause the pod here, go and do a little bit of reading and then come back in a couple of minutes. Yes, it, it's well worth looking up because a lot of this, you need to have some knowledge of history to fully appreciate it. Yeah. Shall we get started on the history of the show then? Yes, we can do that. So the show has actually been around for quite a while now. Uh, 2009 was when its first kind of roots into the world started to appear with workshops and premieres and all the usual sort of jazz that you get with, with new productions. Yes, and it actually premiered in San Diego, I believe, which is not usually the first choice, but quite appropriate when you think that a lot of this happened in the South. Of America. I know San Diego's not really the South, but it's in the, the south of the States, sort of. Yeah. It's down that down that way rather than up in New York. And after premiering in San Diego, it actually moved over to Sarasota and Tokyo before it headed to Broadway in 2011. So quite a, a few years of development. And the Broadway production was it was received with mixed reviews, I think, is the best way to describe the show. Americans are not big fans of their own history, particularly where that history is bad. Yeah. Especially when that is calling out, e.g. the American dream. The entire ethos of the country. Yeah. is just like, actually, maybe this isn't a good idea. No, but the show, nonetheless, it did play on Broadway. It was originally planned to be open-ended and then it managed just 36 performances. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing is, I don't think it was selling bad. It just wasn't resonating with people, which you would expect American history to resonate with American audiences. But as you said, as soon as it's negative, even Hamilton, they've had to spin it. So Hamilton's the good guy. Hamilton is not the good guy. Spoiler alert. Go listen to our Hamilton episode. Yeah. But, you know, we've had to put quite a positive spin on something that's actually not very good for Hamilton to work. So yeah. this, which is straight up like America isn't maybe that great after all, kind of went down like a lead balloon, really. Yeah. And then after that mere 36 performances, the show disappeared. It did disappear. It did have a cast recording because Broadway, we always get a nice little cast recording, which was kind of really the main way that the show got a fan base outside of America. Yeah, I mean, cast recordings are hugely powerful things to keep shows alive and to spread them to a bigger audience who are never going to see them. 
And it is really nice that we did actually get that because so many shows of this nature don't even get the chance to have any kind of cast recording. It did have a few lesser performances over the years. Well, not lesser in terms of like quality, just lesser in terms of not as prominent, but it did play in quite a few places. There were performances often in foreign languages, uh, in Japan, in South Korea. It did come over to London in 2014 and did a student production. And then, yeah, did a few other like smaller ones around and about over the years. But it wasn't until 2022 that the show got an opportunity to shine. Yes, because we did have a little off West End workshop in 2017. Yep. At Penn Guesses Where. The Other Palace. Of course, of course it's at the Other Palace. But then 2022, we got a West End concert performance of the show, which I think audiences over here had been dying for. I remember social media going wild when this concert got announced as a one night only get to hear the music. It's going to be semi-staged. Come on down, have a fun time and, you know, we'll see what happens. Yes. And we were actually supposed to have the original Bonnie and Clyde from the Broadway production in that West End concert. Yeah. Jeremy Jordan and Laura Rosnes were meant to reprise their roles in the production. Um, In the end, that didn't quite pan out. Yes. And we instead had Francis Maley McCann take on the role of Bonnie who people may have seen her before in Heathers at Theatre Royal Haymarket in 2021. And it was so well received. I think social media went a little bit mad for a solid week or so afterwards. This concert was extremely well received indeed. And this is something that does happen a lot like not to underplay it but when we get kind of like one night only concerts especially of works that don't get performed very often you do get rapturous responses to it and that is a good thing but equally sometimes those can be overstated and seen as a this is the best thing ever just because everybody's getting so excited about it whereas actually it might have been very good but it isn't necessarily the the best thing ever. And that's not to disparage the show, but it is intended as just a little bit of a keeping things on a level just as we go through the show. Yes. And on the second of these uh, two concerts, it was actually announced that the show would be moving into the arts theatre for the summer. Not just as a concert. No, no, no. This was going to be doing a full staged London production for the very first time in the arts theatre. And of course, social media went a bit mad about that news as well, because everyone was like, well, you know, who's who's going to be in the cast? What's it going to be like? You know, no one really had a concept of where this show would go because it had been so long since it'd been put on a big stage anywhere, really. And we got a very, we got some very interesting developments. A well-known musical theatre performer decided that he was going on holiday. Uh, New Zealand, I think it was. Yeah, it was off off to New Zealand. Just finished Nan Juliet. Check out last week's episode if you want to hear more on that. And then, yeah, it was like, I'm taking a break. I'm going on holiday. And they would have got away with it too if it wasn't for those meddling kids. And the meddling kids being eagle-eyed Twitter users seeing, well, why is the Bonnie and Clyde <laughs> Twitter account only following the same like 10 people? And one of them happens to be Jordan Lukic. Yes. And then we got the cast announcement and lo and behold, Jordan Luke Gage was playing the part of Clyde. Yes. And obviously social media, once again, went a little <laughs> bit mad. I think there's a running theme with this show in that it's very big with the social media crew. Yeah. It's a very social first show in terms of its fan base and, and its response. But nonetheless, yes, we had been duped. Jordan Luke Gage was not going on holiday. Um, we also saw reprising the role of Bonnie was Francis Maley McCann. And a whole host of other very talented performers um, were also coming into the run at the Arts Theatre. Yes, there was such a great cast for that run. And everyone just kind of fully embraced the excitement about the show. Yeah, they really did. And we went down and saw it at the Arts Theatre. We'll touch on that a little bit later on. Had a great time. Yeah, it's it's a fun it's a fun show. 
very depressing show, but I was gonna say, some, a beautiful, beautiful score, some really powerful music, some really powerful emotions. Bit dark. Oh, incredibly dark. Incredibly dark. You know, it's it's got to be. Yeah. If it if it was, you know, happy, 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 it'd be like, well, are, you, are we sure you're talking about the right people? Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> and then we thought this show was going away. Yeah. So it did disappear for a little bit and uh, on closing night there was an announcement that there was the intention to tour the show a cast recording was planned and we were essentially told that we hadn't seen the last of the show in the west end yeah nothing firm was revealed but there was very much an inkling of this show is going to be back before too long and lo and behold the show returned not even a year after no. it had closed returned to the Garrick theater yes much bigger stage west end proper much bigger venue and it is opened at the middle of march uh 2023 running through till i think it's the end of april end of may end of may 2023 mid to end of may yeah and has once again taken the west end by storm Yes, this has been so, so well received by fans of the show. The bigger stage, the bigger space to play with, you know, the having a residency at somewhere like the Garrick, you can have a bit more fun with your set design, your approach to the show. Even things like the safety curtain can be a bit more fun. And this is it, though, is that the show itself hasn't just been imported. Like, they've not just done copy-paste into the Garrick Theatre. The show has been, they've taken it away. They've looked at what worked, what didn't work, continued to evolve it and continue to adapt and, and tweak it. And in terms of things like the set design, make it work so much better in the new space and actually suit the new space rather than just be, you know, a carbon copy. Yeah, and I think... This is something I am going to touch on a bit later when we talk about our own experiences with the show. But I think you can even see this from the cast, Broadway cast recording to the arts theatre version to where it is now. It's, it is actually a completely different show. Yeah. And that's what's exciting about it. And I think this show is a great example of the fact that you're never really done you know, you're, you always have opportunity to tweak things. That's something that we have said many times on our podcasts and our radio shows about theatre is that actually we're a big fan of continuing to evolve and tweak and change shows. And actually with every, produ every new production, you do have that opportunity. And Body and Clyde on the West End isn't just a pure revival, a pure replica of the arts production. It is an evolution and that is really nice and you can see it keeps a lot of the best parts of the arts theatre but because it's got that bigger stage that bigger space that bigger budget it can also do a lot more and it can develop some of those themes it was kind of almost like the arts here's a preview of what you what you might be able to get from this show if we get an opportunity and the Garrick is that opportunity coming through yes and I think that Although the show is set to close at the end of May, I don't think it's going to be gone for long. The Garrick is known for having short runs of shows. I don't think that it's going to be long before we see Bonnie and Clyde potentially go to an even bigger stage. Yeah, or indeed we'll get that tour that was teased back in 2022 as well. Who knows? Yes, and we have officially found out that the cast recording at the time of recording is imminent. It's about to drop at some point soon. Yeah, it may have dropped by the time you're listening to this. Yes. Uh, if it hasn't dr yet dropped, it's coming soon and it's going to be phenomenal. Yeah, I cannot wait to hear some of those pieces in full with the West End cast because there's some talented people in there. So talking of some of the music, some of the talented people, Let's now move on to have a little bit of a chat about our experiences of the show, both at the Arts and at the Garrick. We've seen it three times, once at the Arts, uh, not together, because yes. we couldn't fit it in together. Yeah. And then we accidentally 
sort of ended up seeing the show twice in the same week, two days apart at the Garrick. Sort of accidentally, we fully did see it two days apart. <laughs> yeah, that was not in the plan. That just sort of happened. But regular overstudies listeners will know we are a fan of understudies and swings. So when the opportunity arises to see someone in a track that they do not normally play, we've got to take take it take them up on the offer. Yeah, we do indeed. And there was somebody making their debut in the role of Clyde on our second time seeing it at the Garrick. Yes. Um, so we were so fortunate enough to see Charlie McCullough take on the role of Clyde for the first time. First time ever. First time ever. If you don't know who Charlie McCullough is, go and listen to our episodes about a little show called 42 Balloons that some podcasters called The Overstudies are dubbing as the next big thing. Yes. And we will talk a lot about Charlie McCullough and how talented he is in that podcast. So to then actually get to see him now taking on a massive role, another massive iconic role for the very first time, too good to miss. Honestly, we found out at 10 past five, quarter past five. This was announced at 10 past five. And by half past five, we had tickets booked. And was on our way to the theatre. Yeah. You were about to go to sleep. I was literally in my pajamas <laughs> in bed when I read this because I was on early sifts at work. Yeah. But totally worth it. Totally worth it. Such a good performance and also such good vibes. Like, as we've said, this is a big social media supported show with a very loud fan base. And it was really nice to also see so many people both buzzing for this happening on social media, but also many of those people then getting down to the Garrick as well to give a phenomenal response to this debut because debuts are exciting. Yeah. And especially in a role that is as intense as Clyde. Yeah. Clyde has an alternate normally just because it is a very intense role, but also Charlie McCullough is the second cover Clyde. Yeah. So this is the likelihood of him going on is quite low. So to just go in smash it out the park. Honestly, I can only applaud that. Yeah, it was it was an incredible, incredible performance. You had to be in the room for it, but it was, we, we loved it. Um, Soz, if you missed it. Unless he's done it again. Unless since. he's done it again. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows? So let's go back to the arts run and the first time we saw it. And I went in, I think we both went in intrigued because we'd not seen the concert. We'd listened to a couple of the songs. I had only listened to, I think, one song that we played on our radio show because I have a rule that I'm not going to listen to a soundtrack until I've seen the show. You, on the other hand, I think, listen to everything. No, I'd heard a couple of songs. Okay. The odd ones here and there. Kind yeah. of the big numbers, you know, yeah. Raise a Little Hell. Um, we played Raise a Little Hell and Made in America, I think, on the radio show. And we also heard... Um, May Tether cover Raise a Little Hell out of roles we never play. Yes, we did. Which was so, phenomenal. So yeah, we'd we'd had a little bit of exposure, but yeah. didn't really know that much about the show beyond the actual narrative, which for me is quite interesting. I tend to go into a show not really knowing the narrative because you you can't know every, you don't yeah. know what's gonna happen. Um and I think going in knowing the story and then just having just the music to focus on was actually quite nice. Like being the music just being the only thing that was new to me. I enjoyed. Yeah. For me, it was, again, I, I knew obviously the story of Bonnie and Clyde. So it was a bit more fresh in terms of the music as well. My main thing with Bonnie and Clyde, both times of seeing it for the first time, if that makes sense, um, is actually the production side of things is that this is a very production heavy show, particularly at the Garrick. And as we all know, I'm a big fan of the production values. So whereas Becky likes to be able to listen to the show and get the story all at the same time, I'm the same, but kind of with the production. So I was like, Ooh, I want to listen to the music, but I also want to like work out how this scene change is happening or like this, that, and the other. And it was, there was a lot to keep, keep up with. Yeah, it's a, it is actually a very special effect heavy show. Special effect heavy, but not over the top. Yeah, like the the perfect balance of it. Yeah. Because you could 
go very over the top with this you so could. easily. We are going to come back to production corner though. Yes. Let's not jump ahead of ourselves. I'm just too excited. But that's some of what is still to come. The show in the arts, I, I, I enjoyed it. I had a very good time. Same with the Garrick. Really enjoyed the show. For me, it's not the best thing ever. It's not your kind of musical though, is it? No, I don't. I understand why it has a lot of hype and a lot of fan base behind it, but it's not incredible for me. And that's yeah. not to say that it's not a fantastic show and a fantastic production because it is. It's just for me, it doesn't, the show as a whole doesn't wow me. When it's good, it's very good. When it isn't, I'm bored. And that's not, yeah. that's not a criticism of the production. That's just some of the songs are not my type type of musical theater songs like i'll just be very clear on that yeah i was zoning out of bits of it but it isn't because it was bad it was just because it's not for me yeah i mean it is it is a very ballad heavy show there's a lot of slow songs and for something that should be quite intense and there's a lot less kind of gunfighting shoot ups than you would expect and a lot more focus on the characters and relationships that are done through song. This is why it's interesting that I'm not a fan of it though, yeah. fully because I'm big on the character development and the storylines and actually I think less is more when it comes to things mm. like the shooty shooty. But just something there, it just something seems a little bit missing to make it go this is fantastic all round. It is a, when it's good, it's really good. But when it comes down from that, it's okay. So I didn't hate it far from it, Mm. but it's not, it's not going to be like anywhere near my show of 2023. Yeah. And that's, that's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I've seen significantly worse over the years. I mean, yes. <laughs> That's the thing that fascinates me about Bonnie and Clyde is it is such divisive is the wrong word, but it is a very specific type of musical. I for me, I absolutely adore the mu- like the music and the score, and I think that for me is what I focus on. Like I focus a lot more on the piano and the structure of how the sounds are being made less so than I focus on kind of the book for example yeah the score is one of the strengths of the show yeah actually and it's got I know it's got a lot of as you alluded to there the bits that you really like and adore in in a musical I think for me that is one of the places where it doesn't work as well for me Mm. is that it's not my type of score. Yeah, I'm I'm except when it is. I see I love shows that are very like piano and string heavy where that is the main focus and the piano is a very strong contender when it comes to this show. That's not really your cup of tea as much, is it? No, but well it is but it isn't and it, it depends on the show is that for me piano heavy shows kind of have to be the more classical ones. This isn't a classical not classical as in like Mozart, but classical as in like traditional mm. musical theatre. This isn't a score that's like the same as Les Mis or Phantom, both of which can be piano heavy depending on the arrangements. So for me, it doesn't quite tick all those boxes. The style of music being a bit more modern is where I would prefer to have like a big band or lots of guitar or something like that. So, it, and that wouldn't work for this show at yeah. all. So yeah. I'm not, that that's not a you know this should be changed it shouldn't be it's just all of that for me doesn't make it incredible yeah no that that makes sense um i i'm personally firmly in the camp that this is a very nice thing to listen to it's definitely a listening show yeah i could go and put this on in the back and it's a good like in the background listening one as well if i've got stuff to do stick the soundtrack on I'm going to be still concentrating on what I'm doing, but at times I'm going to be going, oh yes, that's like when Ray's Little Hell comes on, for instance, you could be like, yes, yeah, that is great. But that's still not to say that it's not a watching show as well. Like, yeah, yeah. And as a production, as a whole, there are some incredible, incredible moments. And as I say, we are getting through everything else because Production Corner today is going to be a good one. Yes, I'm, I keep wanting to start, but I can't. I need to 
Save, slow it down. Save it for the right moment. Slow it down. So throughout the show, we have we we follow the lives of Bonnie and Clyde, but also their families. We've got uh, Clyde's brother Buck Barrow. We've got Clyde's parents. We've got Buck's partner. We've got Bonnie's mother. We've got Bonnie's former love interest. We've mm-hmm. got the townspeople, the yes. sheriff, all the people that you would expect that all come together to help to tell this story and to give an idea of how these people ended up where they were. Yeah, we get a little bit more than just kind of the story of the crime, if that makes sense. It's more than just about them being criminals. It's about the chain of events that actually led to that. Yeah. Once they actually become criminals, it actually gets very, like it's kind of run through very quickly and we see like various tweaks and changes and obviously some events get left out. It is the bulk of the show is about how Bonnie and Clyde fell in love and got to where they end up at the end. And that's where, you know, speaking earlier on mentioning like the media is where it starts at the end is really interesting because it starts with pretty much a replica image of the end of the show of the final scene and you are kind of there straight away going how did these two people end up in this car dead and we see that pan out and and all the events that that move up to that and i think that is on the one hand one of the strengths of the show because i think it would be a very different show if we just focus purely on the crime equally for me i think i might have enjoyed it more if it had been more about the crime, a bit more action, because I think that would have changed. It would have removed some of the slower songs that I don't like. And you could have still had some of the backdrop of things like the depression, the American dream, whilst keeping it a bit more pacey. But I don't know, because that would be a completely different show. Yeah, I think for me, I like the fact that the temper of and the pacing of the show kind of matches the intensity of going from I'm just trying to make ends meet to I'm killing people. That's like a big jump. And I think the way the pacing changes, I think like really does reflect kind of a snowball effect of what these characters were going through. It's really like going from I'm just trying to make ends meet to I've just killed three people because they were going to kill me it's that doesn't just that doesn't take a long time to get to it just happens all of a sudden but I think that's quite a nice reflection of what would actually happen in those circumstances not that I I know but it feels realistic to go from quite a slow build to oh all of a sudden all hell is literally broken loose yeah, I think you're right. You are right there in kind of saying that this, one of the show's strengths is how it feels quite raw. Yeah. In that Bonnie and Clyde, both of them wanted to be known for stuff. They've both got lofty ambitions, but certainly at the start, Clyde never intended to be a murderer. No. Um, it was just meant to be, let's rob some stuff. Let's be a very good driver so that we can always outrun and escape the police. Yeah. And it is that then, you know, point of getting when something is going to challenge you and is against you, what do you do? And the show is very good at telling that in a very raw way. Yeah, you're absolutely right there. Um, But I just, I don't know, just the whole thing for me didn't, it's good, but it's not brilliant. I think that's fair. I think for me, it focuses a lot more on social commentary and the experience of living in America at that time than it does on Bonnie and Clyde as such. I think that's where it's lacking though. Yeah. I think that's the problem because I love a good social commentary. I really love It doesn't go deep enough. It does I think I think that's it, is that it doesn't do the social commentary deep enough and it doesn't do the Bonnie and Clyde deep enough. It tries to do both and it would be better choosing one and focusing on yeah. one. Because we've got a lot of shows about the American dream, famously Arthur Miller's A View From A Bridge is all about looking at the class divide in America in the similar sort of time period. Whilst I think it's really important to have that context and 
that context provides some of the greatest moments of the show. Mm. For instance, Made in America, which I know you're going to want to talk about. Equally, I don't understand really what that's adding beyond giving a reason for why Bonnie and Clyde end up where they are. Yeah. Because we don't need this whole big social commentary if it's about two people who actually Clyde did want to be a criminal. Yeah. That was always what he wanted to do. And the fact it got worse was because of circumstance, as we said. Bonnie, on the other hand, wanted to be a performer, wanted to have her name up in lights, be in the papers and falls in love and still gets that notoriety in a different way. Yeah. And I just, I, whilst those two notions are linked, I just think for me, now that we've kind of spoken it through and I've had this like, well, I'm like, that's actually it is that it's not giving me enough of either is that if we wanted to really focus on the social commentary side, we could actually still keep the story of Bonnie and Clyde, but lessen it a little bit and get a much stronger social commentary. Or we could lessen the social commentary, remove one of the many scenes, for instance, with like the preacher or even some of the prison scenes, like don't really add much to why Clyde is as he is. And we could have much more on Bonnie and Clyde or particularly about Bonnie, actually, like Bonnie's backstory could be fleshed out a lot given that she is actually really important nothing rhymes with Clyde and Bonnie yeah we don't actually get as much there and I think that's also a bit of a shame yeah because I think one of my favorite moments as you mentioned is made in America and the whole point I feel like this is a very underrated number in the show People, oh, yeah, do, people do not give it the flowers it deserves because this is such a perfect contextualization of what was actually going on at the time and the conflict between church and state and how that jades people's ideas of the American dream. And, you know, the, the song is all about saying like, America made them this way, so how can you punish them? And then the church reiterating the, well, if you sin, you'll be punished. They've sinned. You're not sinning, but they did. So they're the bad guys. I personally think it's in the wrong place in the show. I think it would be interesting to open with something like that, set the scene earlier on, rather than kind of put it in halfway through. I think if we had that social commentary set in earlier, it might flow a bit better and it might have a different feel to the show yeah i think you're right there because the show does allude right from the very beginning about the class divide and about you know moving around because things become unaffordable and all the rest of it but it it kind of glosses over a little bit Mm. and the first time we then kind of see the church is when buck barrow is going back to prison Mm -hmm. and that has a very important moment with the church that I don't want to spoil too much, but I kind of need to mention this to to yeah. work in this yeah, yeah. point where as part of this idea of like, you've sinned, you need to go and like serve your punishment, etc. for that to then wipe yourself from sin. There's then the obligatory collection at the end of like money. And through the, throughout this scene, you've got the preacher in very fancy suits, hat, very opulent almost. And then everybody else is there in muted colours, what like older clothes, much simpler, and are kind of being expected now to give money, even though the whole reason why Buck is in jail in the first place ultimately is because he was stealing because he needed money to buy food to survive, and survive yeah. and all the rest of it. And this is a point that then gets made much bigger within Made in America. But I feel like a lot of people just miss the point of the preacher and the church. Yeah. And why it's there. Yeah, completely. Like that Which is, is a, a very... shame because it's actually very important. Yeah. And I, I actually do think that is part of down to the, the the way that things are kind of put together. And it is this is it, is that you could make a really big you you could focus on that and make the social commentary stronger without retra- detracting from Body and Clyde. Yeah, I think we could Shuffle a few songs around and I think you could make it work with the content you already have. 
you might need to change a line here and there, but it's all there. It just feels in the wrong order. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, definitely. But what isn't in the wrong order, for me at least, is the incredible production design. Are we getting, are we starting it? We're going to the production corner. corner. Okay. I think we've kept everybody waiting long enough. Strap in everyone. It's going to be a bumpy ride. I'm just going to go straight off now and go, whilst this is not one of my favourite productions and isn't going to be a product like top five production, top 10 production. I don't know. I'm not, it's still, we're still early on. So I don't want to sort of say too much. It is going to have one of my number one, like top five, like staging elements, like specifically lighting elements of any show this year, without a doubt. And that is in the big shootout towards the end where I've never felt so in the shootout without also having like it be really cheesy. Well, you don't see any guns being fired. Yeah, I was going to say like Les Mis, for instance, the barrack, the big barricade shootout scene, you've got everybody with their guns. There's lots of bullet noises. It's all very, this is a shootout. And it's, I'm not going to hear any slander against Les Mis. It is the greatest musical of all time. However. That bit feels a bit panto. It does feel a bit panto. Bonnie and Clyde does a shootout so effectively and simply with some lights, some white lights, some haze, and a little bit of like shooty sound effect. It's so simple yet so effective. I'm not going to describe it in any more detail than that because actually I think you need to see it. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like full justice, but it is really clever, and that was something that wasn't in the arts run that they've been able to do by having the bigger Garrick stage and and being able to adapt it a bit more and a bit more money because lights ain't cheap. So yeah, I just I love that, and I think that was fantastic, and that flows through the rest of the set design. Yeah, the production really leans into the use of projections the whole way through. Projections are the main character. Yeah. Now I'm a big fan of projections, but they can be overused and they can also be done really, really, really badly. Bonnie and Clyde does neither of these things. It uses them so cleverly by using them to set the scene, but also to give you historical context, to give you emotions even like it gives you the way that we have multiple kind of gauzes right i'm gonna really embarrass myself now by not being a techie like you the correct word um but multiple gauzes in front of each other and depending on where you're sat in the audience your projection will look completely different and the level of distortion that that projection has also completely different so depending on where you sit you get a different feel of like anxiety and dread from that distortion and I think that in itself is fascinating because every single person in that theatre then has a different experience and it would be so simple to just have the one gauze for projections but having two it's it's genius yeah the projections are very much another character here and it works so well and nicely. And as Becky says, there are bits that have been created for the, I mean, they've all been created for the show, but there's bits that have been specifically created and staged for the show that help to do a bit of narrative, tell a bit of a scene, for instance, like when the brothers get sentenced and put to jail, that's done by projection rather than on stage and is actually quite a nice way of doing it without having to build a whole courtroom and have more yeah. characters. Speeds it all up. It speeds it up because all we actually need is to know that they've gone to prison yeah. or not, as the case might be. But then we also get actual photographs of Bonnie and Clyde and, you know, things that contextualize it and make it real. And whilst I'm not always a fan of mixing real life and I was going to say fantasy. It's not fantasy, but like a production because it, whilst we're dealing with a historical subject here, equally, there is an important part of telling history to also be very clear between like what is real and what is an interpretation of real. And I do think because we mix 
re- like footage of the performers and footage stroke images of the real Bonnie and Clyde, that isn't always clear enough, particularly if you don't know the reality. I think personally, I'd rather we actually just have like recreations. If we're going to have some photos of Bonnie and Clyde, let's just recreate all those photos with the performers rather than try and do this thing. Or if we're going to have projections of the performers, actually let's not use the real performers. Let's use doubles effectively to kind of say that this is slightly different because as an audience member, if you don't know it, you don't always know it. And I think it's important to be like, this is history. This isn't history. That more comes from like my museum background though. So that's a very niche kind of thing. But the way that all this is put together is really good and is really fun. And I do like and enjoy that extra dimension that these projections bring. It makes the... Now, the stage at the Garrick is quite big already, but having these projections makes it feel so much bigger, but like in a really good way. It it, adds an extra dimension. I mean, it's simple as like at the start where we get a bullet hole projected onto the stage and smoke coming out of it. This is one of the best pre like presets of a show I think I've seen in a long time. And is very, very clever. And just the amount of like haze that's in the theatre when you come as well, this projection pierces through the um the the hazy auditorium. And like you can, even if you don't fully twig straight away that like it is a projection on the screen, you see these like almost laser-like kind of beams of light going yeah. through. And that's a really it adds to that kind of air of suspense of what's gonna happen and what's coming next. Yeah, I think that's similar to the kind of distortion you're supposed to feel uncomfortable when you kind of come into the theater you're supposed to kind of feel a bit a little bit on edge and it's the right level of like anxiety inducing because you don't come into bonnie and clyde expecting like something happy so it kind of gets you into that mindset and gets you prepared for what's to come you get this very grungy, rundown feeling kind of right from the start, which is very important for the show as a whole. This is helped by at either side of the stage, uh, by the the pillars. I forget the technical name for the side of the stage, like the front side of the stage. It's like where the proscenium arch comes down before the stage starts thrusting out a little bit. That's where the technical words are going to get. I'm sure somebody will contact us and be like, Charlie, it's called this. Um, on either side, you have some little props, little bits of set dressing as well, that some of which are then used as part of the show and, and come to life. Other bits are just there just, just for decoration really. But these as well, on the left-hand side, we've got like a dresser and a shelf and bits like that where kind of things can be left, but they're not fancy. They're not, they're not super duper basic, but they're not like fancy. They're, they're worn. and a little bit tired but still functional Mm -hmm. on the right we've got a much bigger mishmash of stuff we've got a open sort of shelf with various photographs and things on it a little sink got tire we've got a ukulele hanging on the wall most of which gets used and has like a purpose in the show but they've everything has been clearly like thought about and placed with a reason it's not just a random mishmash of oh that might be all right there or that might be all right there like it's got enough coherency that it all makes sense whilst also not being overly polished in how it gets placed there you've still got the little bit of chaos that is the lives of particularly Clyde and his the Barrow family of moving around and of you know history and and the life that they've kind of had yeah and I think what I like about the props that are out is they are used in the in some of the bigger numbers, you know, the the tire gets used in when I drive, you know, we have newspapers that are used in various different numbers. But then they kind of they don't go offset once they've been used. They they stay on the stage and they take up that space just as much and I think yeah, it just it tightens everything up and just makes it makes it feel more together. This is a very complex set design, but it doesn't feel complex. Oh yeah, absolutely. It it 
is very much, it's not less is more. Like it, by no way is it less is more, but it fits the less is more mantra, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Like there's a lot of it. So it's no way is it less, but everything has a reason in the way that like, you know, to, to use 42 balloons as an example, we only had the one flight case and the one chair, but that was all these different things. And they had a very big reason. Body and Clyde are the same and that every prop has got a reason for being there. Nothing is there without a purpose. No gauze that comes down or like door that opens or whatever is there without a purpose. But it doesn't try to be too flashy or over the top. And I think everything having a purpose fits the almost the context of the era Mm. as well. Because... If you're living in a country that is having severe drought, you know, there's no jobs anywhere. Everything you own will have a purpose. You don't have the time for fun things. You every, Everything must serve a purpose. And I think that translates quite nicely into the actual production as a whole. Yeah, completely. It's a very strong set in terms of how and the vision and the artistic vision of and what is wanting to achieve is is very able to be seen that said and this is my only negative i will say on the set design the execution in parts wasn't did let down the vision from time to time some of it some of it with the set design and the lighting design in terms of the execution felt very I don't want to say amateur, but it was getting to that level. Like the car, for instance, is very rickety and is very moving around. And I'm like, I know it needs to slide on and off, but you could stop it from feeling quite so flimsy. Some of the lighting design, the set pieces are fantastic, but then other bits is like, oh, we're just going to have a dull fade up as a character walks on. It just feels very like the sort of stuff I was doing at GCSE drama. And I I think that's something where this show again is why it doesn't quite reach that top, 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 like really good, incredible, is that it just needs tightening up a little bit in places. And for me, isn't what I'd necessarily expect from a West End show in 2023. But maybe I'm being overly critical because the good bits are so good. I think it does sometimes highlight perhaps the less strong parts. I'm just being honest. Like that's for new listeners. We say stuff (laughs) as we see it, not trying to be mean or like rude about a show, just trying to be like honest and critical. Like for me, that didn't quite work. Some of those bits didn't quite work. Yeah. And I think that's the interesting thing is because obviously we have been to see it together twice now and I don't see that as much but maybe that's because my mind is focusing on other things like I said I'm a music I'm focused on the music yeah that's and that's when when I'm like when the music's good that kind of is all I'm kind of really focused on (laughs) like I love a strong score and a strong kind of set of music so Maybe that's where my focus and attention is, but you are a production girly. So, you know, it's natural that you pick up on those things. Yeah. I think this is it is, is both to sum well, for me to sum up the show as a whole production, music, all of it, when it's good, it's really, really good, but it isn't really, really good all the way through. No, I would agree. And I think it's just, it, that is a shame. I think it, it has that potential. It's just not quite there. But thinking back to the long production history of this show, the fact it has had quite a checkered record. It's still kind of finding its feet. Yeah. Like you can't create an entire production in like 30, 30 performances. Most shows will still be finding their feet a year into a Broadway run, a year into a West End run. So the fact that they weren't able to work out all of what needed to be changed in a West End run, it basically made, and okay, it's had all these other productions and performances, but until you get something on Broadway or the West End, not to be disparaging about regional theatre, but the way the industry is, is that shows never really do 
find their like big feet to work on the West End or to work on Broadway until they've done the West End or Broadway already, if that makes sense. Yeah, that no, that makes sense. It's I think having the investment of not just money, but also time. We've effectively started from scratch at the yeah, arts. Yeah, hundred percent. And because the arts run was quite short, but also moving from quite a small theatre to quite a big theatre, that naturally changes things as well. And in something like the arts, like I didn't notice some of the, I wasn't wowed as much by the production in the arts, just because it is a smaller venue. It didn't have the opportunity for those big set pieces. But because of that as well, some of the more simplistic elements weren't highlighted. Yeah. Whereas they get highlighted in the Garrick because the simpler bits haven't changed, but other bits are now wowing me. And I want, I don't, I like being wowed, but you can wow me without, as we were saying in, with some of the scenes and some of the music, you get a very, you get on a very big high, but then quite a big come down straight away. It needs to be a bit more um, smoothed. Yeah. I think we need possibly one more upbeat song. Yeah. And then I think I would be satisfied. Fair enough. Fair enough. Is there anything else that you would like to discuss about Bonnie and Clyde? I have sort of touched on the music a little bit, but I just want to talk about some of my favourite musical moments in the show because I, you've had your little corner. I'm going to have my little corner now. And I'm not going to take up too much time because we have already touched on some of my favorite numbers. Made in America, incredible number. And I think deserves more love than it gets. But also things like When I Drive and Raise a Little Hell, The World Will Remember Us. Notice the theme here. They're all very up. Raise a Little Hell is not the most upbeat, but it's got more about it than some of the slower songs. Yeah. And I think for me, that's the music being upbeat is where my brain is happiest when I'm watching the show. And I think that's where my, I just need one more of those slightly more upbeat or more powerful songs that's not a ballad. And I think I'd be, I'd be like, no, okay, this is, it's taking all the boxes now. Just one. Yeah. I don't know what, but just the one. I think an upbeat Bonnie song is missing. Oh yeah. She's got a really depressing mm. set of songs, hasn't she? She's opens with a bit of a, a fun one. And then after that, it's just like, cool. Yeah. I guess, guess is, this is my life now. Oh, she's, she's either arguing or she's sad. Yeah. She doesn't really have that much agency about her, which on the one hand for the time period kind of makes sense, but also she's a very daring, bold, actually quite ballsy character. We do see this a lot. And but I, think, I feel like she doesn't get the chance to show that. Yeah, that could be made a lot clearer with a song. Give her a, a ballsy yeah. two fingers to the world song. Give her a raise a little hell. Yeah. And I think, I genuinely think that would, that would be enough to make it a fantastic, fantastic top tier, top 10 show. Like I said earlier, I think one thing that would fix it for me is I'd want more Bonnie. Like there is too much Clyde for a show called Bonnie and Clyde. There's too much Clyde and too much Buck and Blanche, in my opinion. I think... The yeah. show's not about them yeah. and they're kind of a little bit too there, yeah. but I also understand the need for that yeah, because it's contextualizing the family history. Yeah. But you could still have more Bonnie. Yeah. Give, give, like I said, give Bonnie a angry shouty number and I'm sold. Yeah, definitely. Anything else? No, I think overall I agree with you. When it is good, it is brilliant. It's fantastic but maybe it's pacing issues maybe this is our turn our turn to actually agree on pacing issues yeah and like i like the quite quick resolution mm -hmm. i like how it just does sort of end because this was a story that in reality ended quite quickly despite yeah. all the lofty ambitions 
it was a case of eventually it just got stopped. But it is a very quick ending compared to quite a slow build up. So yeah, maybe there is some pacing issues there because we're still out by 10 o'clock. And that's after cutting a song as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, we've not even mentioned that. (laughs) The song got cut. But the two big cuts, if you saw it at the arts and you're thinking, do I see it at the Garrick? The answer is yes, because it is a very different... It's it's a different show. Yeah. Um, One song has been cut and the children have been killed off as well. Not literally. (laughs) I just wanted to say that. Yeah, the um, children are no longer in the production. Um, which to be fair doesn't you don't miss it no it's there are no children um because as we were told they're too expensive which is true yeah it's fact of life (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so originally we had a young body and a young clyde that we now don't get and i don't the the show's not missing that like Mm. it doesn't feel I, i don't care if that makes sense it it neither added nor yeah if you like, brought if you brought them back, I'd be like, cool. But equally, I'm not I don't feel anything for them. It's not the important part of the show. No. And the same with cutting a song. I'm just like, not it's not missing anything. The song that cut was probably one of the best ones to be cut. Yeah. And yeah, I think the main theme is when it is good, it is brilliant. It just feels like it needs that final polish, which I think we'll I think we'll get, you know there's still room for growth and that's that's the exciting thing yeah i think you're absolutely right there and it is gonna be a show that i think will reappear once its west end run finishes i think it's gonna be a good touring production because i think taking this out to regional audiences and finding out what they think of it actually could change the show completely once again and i think that's quite exciting i think you're absolutely right i can see this being a very strong touring production and there are some elements of it that seem ready made to tour in its current form like you could put this in a number of theaters literally as it is right now um and it'd work and i know that it would sell tickets instantly yeah definitely body and clyde is booking at the Garrick Theatre in London until the 20th of May 2023. There are production uh, there are performances Mondays through Saturdays with two productions on a Wednesday and a Saturday. Yes. Highly recommend getting your tickets. Even if it isn't our favourite show, I think it's a show everyone should see. Fully recommend it. Fully say go out and see it. Like I didn't love it, but it's not it's not bad no, it's, it, a, it's, it's a very good show yeah yeah and it's it's one of those shows well if you want to see something that whilst it is heavy also isn't too heavy it's one for you if it's a show that you want to just you know you want to see something a little bit different it is a good show to just go and see and you are going to in, you might not love it you might be like us and go it's not brilliant you might be like us and go it's good in places it's not good in places you might disagree with us completely. You might go, it is incredible. You might disagree with us and go, please, I went. But even you're being nice about it. I don't know. It's one of those shows that actually is splitting opinion. And I think that's good. Yeah. I think it is. We need shows that have a broad range of, of views on it because it is also very good at reminding people that what we like is subjective and you can have good performances you can have fantastic productions that some people will love and some people won't love that doesn't make it any less of a fantastic performance i think without wanting to get onto what could be a completely different podcast subject (laughs) because we've been going on a bit already but there is um a lot of polarization happening within the theater critic world at the moment and people are forgetting that you can have a good production and not like it Mm. You can have a bad production and love it, and you can have a good production and not like it. Like, and, and you can everything you, in between. You can have two productions of the same show and like one and not the other. Yeah, all of this is allowed, and it's important that there is space for these views to be shared. Is the point I'm trying to make? Yes. So, although we, I didn't love it. I think we didn't love it. We still it's- had a great time and no regrets about going. For me, it's like a, it is a four out of five. Four, yeah, yeah, four out of five. Four for me out as well. of five. Yeah, yeah. But it's not my favorite. Yeah. It is a four out of five, but it's 
not my favorite at all. It's not one that I will be rushing back to again and again and again and again. But that's okay. It's not. It's not for everyone. Nope. Let us know your thoughts if you've seen the show um, in any of its previous guises. We'd love to hear, do you agree with us? Do you think that we're chatting absolute rubbish? You can do that by getting in touch. You can head on to social media. You can find us on Twitter at Overstudies. You can find us on Instagram at Overstudies blog. And you can also find our website, which is www.overstudies.co.uk, where you can send us a little contact form if you feel like it. Yeah, use the contact form or if that's not for you, you can send us an email stage at overstudies.co.uk. Yes. Like we always say, we love hearing your thoughts, especially on shows where, you know, we like hearing opinions on. This is one we I actually want to hear what people think. Yeah, if you're on Spotify listening to this, you should be able to go and click a little box that should be appearing somewhere by where the podcast is and actually let you know our thoughts straight in the app. Yeah. Easy. Don't even have to close. Super duper simple. This is the end of the podcast. But However, it's not the end of our Bonnie and Clyde content, is it? Picture the two eye emoji. Dot dot dot. And if you're on Twitter, you'll know exactly what I mean. If you don't, sorry about that. We do have some some exciting things coming up. Not going to say any more than that, other than two eye emoji, and same place, same time in the future. Yeah. Keep your eyes eyes peeled. Keep your eyes peeled indeed. But for now, from me, Charlie. And from me, Becky. It's goodbye. See you next time.